Hi everyone, welcome to How Can I Heal podcast with Krina Okumus. This is an interview series with people that I admire and really made a change in my life. We are exploring questions about life, dreams, how can I be more happy and healthy and learn how can we deal with pressure or challenges in the private or professional life. I really hope you take a nuggets of wisdom or two and you are improving your own life for the better. I'm super happy to let you know that on today's podcast, I'm speaking with Emily Labeau, actress, model, and entrepreneur. The main topic of today is how can you deal with traumas? And I want to take this opportunity to thank again to Emily for her vulnerability that um, she shared her struggle and uh, I truly believe that um, her story is such a healing story for so many of us. To remember that when you're thinking about yourself and defining yourself, you are not that scar, or if it's not a scar, trauma. That's not who you are, but it is a big part of you. It, it's not separate from you, because that was my biggest issue, that for years I kept it so, like this arm was not me. And in those years, I wasn't, I wasn't trusting, I wasn't, honest with myself I wasn't happy because I didn't like you said when you last week kind of just let yourself go there and like open up that box when I finally did which took two years and I was like this is me like this deformity if you want to call it which is maybe negative this imperfection is me and I found so much power like you said too in identifying with the parts of myself that I neglected so I guess being vulnerable enough to like let yourself go there and realize like you are going to cry, but crying, it stops at a certain point. You're not going to cry for the rest of your life. You will get to a point where you take that deep breath and get to the other side. But being vulnerable enough to, to go there would be my advice. And now let's get to my conversation with the amazing Emily Laboe. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to see your face. It's been so long. Too long and too far. Crazy. How long ago was that shoot? Like It was um, almost two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. Crazy. crazy. You didn't change at all, huh? Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but some news are actually um, happening in your life. And yeah. I love to develop all these things. But... Before that, I want to jump right into a very interesting topic and I want to share, I already shared with you, but I would like to share with the, our listeners or the ones that they are seeing. Um, it's quite an emotional time for me because a few days ago I received the official closing of my fashion company and the last time, uh, the last project that I did, I, we worked together and now we are together again, but for a new beginning for me. And I'm super happy to, um, to have your time and to actually focusing on something much more deep than clothing for me. And totally. And beauty, yes. <laughs> and beauty, exactly. And um, one of the reasons that I decided to work together on the fashion industry, on, the, on our um, photo shooting, is that it's about your story and how you're embracing it. And I saw the article on Vogue and I was, ah, it's so beautiful and you are such a 
such an inspiration for so many girls that I'm sure they are deciding even to follow this just admire because they admire you. And I would like to speak a little bit more about that. And I believe that all scars are beautiful. They are telling a story. And I would love to hear your story. Yeah, totally. Well, to start off, I, I mean, I can tell you the whole, the whole story of the incident and how I got my scar, but even your whole um, ethos for the podcast really hit home for me because a book that I read post my accident, I was in college and my thesis that I wrote was about scars and healing. Um, and it's called The Wounded Storyteller. I'm not sure if you know of it, but I highly recommend no. it. Okay, I will make sure to even tag it for our listeners. I have to read it. Um, the whole premise is like the healing through narr narrative and giving a voice to the story, to your story, and um, kind of creating a reassociation. Because what I found for myself was this, and I'm jumping ahead, but you have this old self of who you were before the incident, if it was a physical trauma or a loss or whatever and then your new self and it's merging and creating a new person that involves that old self but with a different perspective you know and it's really heartbreaking and scary because you've lost you've like lost yourself you lost who you thought you were kind of physically or emotionally um and his point in the book which i found was that telling your story which requires listeners you need people to hear these stories helps you figure out yourself and your own thoughts and your own path or your new path. So anyways, I think even just the process of this conversation is so therapeutic. Yeah. Figure out about yourself and healing. Totally. And it takes a moment to like hear your own thoughts to figure it out. So just talking, talking, talking is so helpful. I totally agree with that. And I actually can recommend you as well a podcast that uh, has been launched, an episode where it's ex exactly about that, how um, it's a coach, um, Lizzie, that she's helping people to actually, they are even entrepreneurs, that they are actually focusing on their vulnerability. And it's a story about uh, a lady that she came from Mexico when she was very young um, in San Francisco. Now she has like a very um, big uh, position and she was never telling her story how she was has been bullied, that she was not speaking correct English. And when she switched and started to share her story, she really started to heal. And people start to see... People are she... totally attracted to that. Yeah. Exactly. Brene Brown is like my life guru. It's all about vulnerability. I love that. Yeah, me too. But um, let's come back to you. Let's come back to your story. So do you want me to just break down kind of what happened? If you feel, yeah, if you feel like, if you want to share it. Totally. So I was 18, about to turn 19, like a couple weeks before my 19th birthday. And I was a passenger in a car accident. Um, it was like a big Discovery Land Rover, gorgeous car, one of my favorite cars, um, probably like early 90s. And the driver was getting on the freeway and there was like a cloverleaf turn, so like a really sharp rounded turn and he took it too fast and lost control and the car tipped over wow um and there were two friends in the back and then the driver and me in the front and thankfully i put my arm up to to like protect my head i mean it happened so fast and i i remember falling like it all kind of slowed down like a movie and i feel like i was in a bird's eye view like i saw it all happening i was like all right we're gonna go down so i put my arm up 
and then we fell and then I woke up and it felt like my arm was like waving above my head. So I was like, okay, I probably broke a bone because I feel like some dissociation, but I didn't know the extent to it. And then actually the driver fled the scene. He ran away and my friend in the back had a skateboard and he broke open the top. There was like a glass um, sunroof that's now on its side. So he broke open the sunroof and was able to get me out. And I just remember his face when he looked down at me and he was like, don't look. And he took off his shirt to wrap my arm. And I pretty much, it was my right arm. There was no skin from like my elbow to my shoulder. And my humerus bone was out of my arm, broken in half and gasoline all over my dress. And he pulled me to the side of the road and we waited for um, the paramedics to come. And then I was taken to County and um, and I, I told him, I was like, call my parents, think I'm done. Like I was seeing white lights. Like I really thought I was like, this is it. Um, and my parents met me there and I got my arm cleaned out. And then the next month I was in the hospital and had like eight surgeries in three weeks. So I just wasn't a person. I don't remember <laughs> really that, that whole time in and out sort of. Yeah. And then, and so I, I want to hug, you know, I'm really, <laughs> it's intense and it's weird to, it's weird to talk about it, but also it's funny because the therapy that I went to post my accident was trauma therapy and I'd never been in therapy before. And so a lot of what we did was like narrative therapy of like going minute by minute of what happened and creating your story so that you can tell people. Because for, I mean, I'm so much stronger now and I don't even really think about it now, but over the past few days, like preparing for this, I've really tried to get back in the mindset of where it was when it happened in those two years and it's it's was horrible you know like i i didn't wear anything but long sleeves for almost two years i never showed my arm i wouldn't touch it i didn't like to even yeah i didn't like the feeling of it because i have a skin graft so the skin feels different there and i would have like my mom massage it or put the lotion like i didn't want to touch it it was like i'm me and then there's this like thing on my arm that's not me like a, very, a big disconnect, like a bodily disconnect um, from it. And yeah, it took, it took years to, to accept it and like deal with anger and embarrassment to get to a point where I'm like proud of it. Anger for what? Um, specifically with my situation, I think it was anger A, at the driver because he, I put my trust in him as as the designated driver. Um, and then he left me, you know, and he ended up stepping on my arm and broke my wrist when he left. And of course it was his car, so they found him, but he just left, you know? And so, it, and then it's being compassionate and thinking, you know, if I were him, I, I understand that fear, that panic, I fucked up, I need to get away. Like I did some, you know, I, it's having compassion for that. Um, and then it's the what ifs, which is the most unhealthy. Like, what if I didn't get in the car? Like, what if I took my own car? What if I, you know, what if, which is, you just can't do that. Um, but Can in I the first few years, it's inevitable that you have those thoughts. It's really not uh, not easy, but I think, first of all, thank you for, for being open for this. Yeah, of 
I really appreciate it. And as I said um, um, to you, I think it's such a powerful message for so many that they are going into that because some some can have a physical scar, some can have a, an emotional one inside there. And um, I really think that this can give power to others that they can. Hundred percent. And how was your journey? Like, how was your healing journey? Like how everything started did you already start with um dealing with the trauma from the beginning or how so i i had it happened in the summer and i missed the first semester of college so it was my second year of college and i stayed home and i had to move home and like kind of reverted to being a child because i like couldn't go to the bathroom by myself i couldn't like eat and it was my right hand and i'm right-handed so my mom was like my caretaker and we ended up getting very intimately close, but also emotionally we're, we became really, really close during that time. Um, so that was that first semester. And then my mom's thinking was, I think you should just go straight back to school so you don't dwell on it and get depressed and like get back with your friends. So I did that, but that ended up not being a good decision for me because I didn't deal with it, you know? And I had like PTSD from the crash and sleeping and like trusting people and like, lots of issues. So I ended up leaving mid second semester and started trauma therapy, which was really, really helpful uh, and going to physical therapy. But I think the thing that was the most helpful was when I wrote my thesis about scars the next year. Um, and I worked with um, Homeboy Industries, which I'm not sure if you're familiar mm -hmm. with. Yes. Um, yeah. So I had a, I was, I majored in anthropology and one of my anthropology teachers had a colleague who worked with a lot of people at Homeboy. So she was kind of my informant. And I went in there kind of trying to figure out how I could somehow connect to a group of people that are very unlike me and, and have them want to talk to me. And so the point of connection was people that had intense bodily injury and how they dealt with it. So I interviewed four or five people like two women and three men about their injuries from like a very close point um sh uh, shotgun wound he lost his entire arm like up to here and then another girl was stabbed from like an, a rival gang just all all different stories that were so far from my story but the conversation with the healing and trauma of a physical wound was similar which was interesting so yeah, doing that and doing all this research and this book and then another book that came later, but The Body Keeps the Score. I'm not sure if you've read that. No, read that. you give me a lot of cool, good homework. Phenomenal. Um, and it just kind of talks about the disconnect from your body when you deal with trauma. And it's it can be even emotional trauma, but you think, okay, it's healed, like it's done. I, I can move my arm now. I'm modeling now. I'm like, what? But did you really deal with the, the you know, metaphysical and mind aspect of that trauma. So how you do that besides just thinking and seeing it, how you do it? I think one big thing, which is what I mentioned before, is like redefining yourself. And it's not defining yourself as your scar, because I'm not this scar, but it has also made me who I am. Like my perception and my empathy and my ability to understand other people's traumas that are very different from mine. I don't think I would have that ability if I didn't go through this, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. So it's, it's reminding yourself of that and even like writing it sometimes, and I would, and I wasn't writing it to someone, but I was writing it as if I was writing it to someone. 
And then also kind of changing your perspective. And it's not this way for everyone, but looking at it as a battle wound, like you went through something and it's a daily reminder, you know, if I'm not wearing long sleeves of a thing that happened that yes, was sad, but it didn't destroy me. Like I'm here. And I, I think it makes you more beautiful. To to I, I totally agree. It's wabi-sabi. There's no, <laughs> yeah. the, the tough thing too about being in this industry as well is that, you know, your entire, you're just judged on your physical appearance. There's nothing more to that. And fortunately there's brands like your brand and other brands that seek real stories because that's what people want. Um, but it's not the norm at all, you know? And so that, that also was really tough because I had just started modeling, but hadn't really gotten into it. And I thought there'd be no way that I would have a career um, in that. But then there's people like Padma Lakshmi. And like, that's why I want to talk about it, even though I'm not like some big celebrity, but any story you hear. Emily, you are working for very big brands. Don't be so humble. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, I, I, I know from experience, you lock on to people's stories to feel less alone and to feel yeah. like, okay, if she did it, I can do it. You Absolutely. Know? There's some real, yeah, truth to that. You know, it's so funny because in some way it's so so similar with my story. So basically, I start to really see the fashion um, related to my father because I lose, lost him in a, in a car accident and he was my business partner too. And when I, uh, last last week, basically, it was ending with the, with the business and I saw kind of a, a toxic relation. I, like, I, I want to deny it. And I was all the time trying to not journaling somehow. I didn't want to go there. I try, I could do everything. I could wash the windows or do accounting, things that I hate. Just right. to not go there. Go there, right. Just to not be there, exactly. And last weekend I was like, okay, I cannot just, I mean, I finished to clean the whole house. Right. I, <laughs> I, I have to do it. And um, it was so beautiful, like you mentioned, journaling and start to write. I realized that actually this is part of me. I can, I denied it. No, it right. Makes me who I am now. And look, I mean, I met so beautiful people that I can just see it in my new, my new chapter, you know, and uh, now we are friends and now we are. <laughs> but it's so scary to take that step. And afterwards, in retrospect, you're like, this just changed my life. Like I'm so much more open and look at all these opportunities, but it's very, very scary to like, dig in there and be honest with yourself even i think you this know? is the most toughest part to be honest with yourself i think this is the toughest journey yeah yeah how what what i'm curious the question you asked me your answer to that of how you kind of came to terms with that with your trauma and pain i one of the things was the time and i think there are different stages yeah. You know, like you said, denying, mm -hmm. angry, you know, then empathy. Um, for me, the person, so my father died in a car accident and the person who drive was my sister. So it was like, you know, like what you said before, uh, in some way I was like, okay, I have to help her because yeah, it's not her fault. She just wanted to save a dog. I mean, it was such a silly thing. Um, but on the other side, my father died in the car accident, and it was like um, it was a it was a, it was a journey, and um, I think it's still a journey. I cannot yeah. say I'm I'm no. there, right? 
Right. But I think journaling and taking this time um, to myself and, um, you know, having at the end the courage to even stop what I did um, and start something that did somehow um, my healing journey. So this podcast is part of it's part of the tips for what I'm doing. A hundred percent. Hearing your story. Yeah. It's healing me as well. Totally. It's so reciprocal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you end up working through this with your sister or did you feel like you did this more on your own? I think I did it more on my own because she's still not ready for that. Right. She's still struggling with that. And I think we all have different times to find, to, to be open to do that. And, you know, I mean, my trauma, obviously all traumas are, you cannot compare it, but still in this case, she has this guilt as well. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure it's coming. I think there are stages, but I give her time and I just make sure that uh, I'm there for her and open any time when uh, she's ready to it's not it's not linear too like you go two steps forward and then you go like five steps backwards oh, and it yes so much time yes that's true but um i don't know i think that um this gives us so much power and um yeah it's um it's it's healing and i strongly believe that we all go through similar things maybe a little bit left or right but we all struggle with some scar in our life totally I, and i think um yeah like you said even if it's not a trauma that you can directly relate to when you hear other people's stories you find tidbits or moments Art. that you can Recognize yourself. Connect, you can, yeah, you rec recognize yourself. Yeah. Totally. So what really changed? What do you think that really changed in the way how you see life after the, that moment? Well, like funny. you say, yeah. Emily, before and after, what they were like the main things that really I think something that I, I just had a conversation with some someone about this, but, you know, immediately after or the months after when you're still dealing with it, you have a much greater sense of gratitude for life and like opportunities and stuff. But like anything else, when you have some time from that, like now it's been five years, you forget that, you know, and then you go through life sometimes not being, and of course we all have moments of not being grateful, but you forget it kind of when you go further away from it. And not to say you should constantly open up this wound and constantly be in this sad place of rehashing your past, but there's something to tapping into it every so often because it reminds you to be grateful and to be, sorry, there's a helicopter going over. You are um, now in uh, Silver Lake. Sorry? You are now in Silver Lake, right? Yes. Oh, I love that area. So there's beautiful. lots of helicopters because of the, um, there were like a bunch of protests at Echo Park Lake with the homeless population. There's been issues, lots of helicopters. It's, it's re remembering the trauma, not to get sad, but to remind yourself that you're strong and that you, you should be grateful for all little moments. And like, even like leaving my parents' house sometimes, if I like get in a fight with my mom and leave, I'll like drive back because I don't want to end on the note of like, you never know what's going to happen. You never fucking know. And also it's one of those things with car accidents in particular, 
when you're young too, like you hear stories about it or like someone got in an accident or a friend of a friend, but it's not, it's not real. Like it's not really, and it's unfortunate that it has to sometimes happen to you to really understand and appreciate your loved ones and appreciate your life. But it does. And now I like, I won't leave if we're fighting because it just, you don't, what if something happens, you know? All the time. Yeah. How, how you are dealing with trust? Because at the end, trust, even trusting in who you are driving, how you are dealing with this trust topic totally. and how you are dealing with going with someone who is driving the car as well. Yeah. Um, more on the technical side with driving, I'm a lot more comfortable when I'm driving. So I'd much prefer to either be the driver or I'll meet you there and I'll drive. I can drive in the car with people and I have like some friends who I trust more than others just in terms of safety. But yeah, on the technical driving side, I prefer to be in control. I didn't have a fear of cars in general, but yeah, I had a fear of being being not in control. And I think that that sort of became an issue for me internally control at, after that point in many ways, I think. And it's a balance still, but especially with being in the industry, but like control of eating and like body after and like just needing to feel like I have some sense of like, I'm grabbing this and like, I'm, if I'm gonna fuck it up or if it fucks up, I'm the one who's gonna fuck it up. And it's tough and I still struggle with that. Um, kind but of- But how, how do you deal with that? Like, do you have, um moments when you see it and you try to find solutions because at the end of the day you cannot control everything no totally there are moments and like i've kind of just recently started getting into meditation i've read a lot about it and like understand it theoretically but never (laughs) sat and did it even the 10 seconds that we took before this interview you just said to close your eyes and take a deep breath and think about how you want this to go in the way that we want it to go and I really, honestly, I can't say I'm good at that. I struggle with that. But those moments are so helpful because it reminds you, um, it reminds you to do that. Yeah, I I can't say I'm good at it. I definitely still. You know what? What I learned recently about that. uh, I mean, I have the same, and I feel like I somehow took even the fear of my sister or my father because since then I'm really scared to be in the plane and in the car. And I was wanted to say, you know, like in the plane, you cannot drive, you cannot pilot the plane. So you, you have to just trust. And I'm, wow. and I'm learning to deal with trust. And I'm everything at the end for me, it's going to trust in what's happening. Totally. And it is, it's a release. I had a conversation with a friend of mine about AA and the book and this trust in a higher power and not to say that we don't have control over our own lives because I was kind of playing devil's advocate and was like if you trust in this higher power whatever it may be religious or not religious or spiritual does that mean that then you don't have any like volition over your own life and that just everything is up to some power and no that that's I took the wrong thing from that it's you know you have control over your life but for these bigger bigger themes, you have to trust that there's something bigger than you. And, you know, and it's a very hard thing to do. And again, it's something I get theoretically, but I don't, I full, I haven't fully tapped into my spiritual side with that. I still am not there. 
It's very hard, but I think this in a way helps because you somehow feel that, okay, it's someone that, I mean, the hands of someone. So at the end of the day, especially when I'm in a moment on a turbulence is in the plane, I'm like, okay, if it's meant to be, okay, I trust. And this is something changing. I mean, don't yeah, understand. Yeah, there is a calm and like your heart rate sort of slows. And it's also the idea that my partner tells me a lot even in day-to-day things with like issues, which you know all about, and I'm only learning now with production that nothing goes right ever, that it's just, it's a wave. Like you said, like the turbulence of a plane, like you're on the wave and it's and it's intense and it's turbulent, but eventually you will not be on the wave and it will be solid for a moment. And then it won't be again. And it's yes, like it's a roller coaster. And it's being okay with that. And that's the letting go. I think it's like, it's, yeah, it's really, it's wild. The second you think you like understand yourself and you got there, something happens and you're now falling. Like <laughs> it's never That's nice. That's right. Nice. Otherwise it would be boring. Totally. And I think maybe this accident happening at the age it did taught me that earlier than than I would have realized it if it didn't happen. You know? Yeah. That's true. Speaking about control, um, tell us a little bit about your lifestyle. Because I noticed when we had our photo shooting, you were really paying attention of your healthy lifestyle, what we what we order, from where we order. Tell us a little bit more. Let's move it a little bit in. I'm sure that we want to learn more. We, um, yeah, I guess in that way, I'm a pretty cliche LA gal, but I'm pretty conscious of what I eat. Um, I don't eat meat. I'm pretty much vegetarian, pescatarian. I eat fish. And I think a part of that is being in this industry and growing up in LA. And since my accident, I think I, with therapy, I've learned to have a better relationship with food in particular, because I think that's where a lot of that control after the accident fed into, which I think is um, common or relatable to some women. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough in the industry as well. I think this year, I have to say this last year of being on set less and not working as much at first freaked me out and I was like, I'm not making money, whatever. But then when I took a step back, I realized in a lot of ways, I was a lot happier. Like I wasn't thinking about what I was eating and worrying so much about it. And I was actually working on this project, my underwear and whatever, reading books, things that actually excite me and and I enjoy and I'm not thinking so much about the physical. So that actually has been a positive through this experience. Not that I want to stop modeling, but I think that break at least gave me some distance from it. But yeah, eating healthy is something that's definitely important to me and I'm not super strict like I won't eat carbs ever. Um I I follow the 80/20 rule for the most part with eating. I love that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I try to. But it definitely gives me way less anxiety now having such a such space for modeling because it's just not on my mind all the time so you feel this stress like when you are going to a to a photo shooting you feel this stress and i mean the way even the way how you transform it's unbelievable and i remember we were on the um, on that day and it was super cold in la luckily i don't know what was happened and it was super cold and you had to wear some very summery clothes 
And I was looking at you. I don't know if you noticed, I took out my jacket because I was like, I cannot be in a warm jacket and Emily freeze. And I was like, I'm, I'm there for her. I'm the rarest, rarest thing for a client to do. <laughs> no, but I, I was like, oh, this is really like, but the way how you behave from the moment when the camera was on, it was unbelievable. It was really like, how, how, how you deal with that? How you transform? Because you really transform. It's funny specifically with temperatures because I'm so sensitive to being cold. Like I hate being cold. I'd much rather, I mean, I hate being too hot too, but I'd much rather be too hot. And that's- Luckily hot. you are in LA. Luckily exactly. you are in a good, <laughs> the good. Um, but it does get cold that you can attest. That day was cold. Um, yeah, it is interesting. You're like, and I've, I've talked about this with some other friends I've shot with, but you kind of like, I just get into like, a, not military, but I'm just like, I have to get through this. And I kind of just shut, I don't shut down, but I, I shut down to a point where I don't let that voice in my head just like complain and complain and be annoying. And I, I do kind of insulate. And then when the camera comes on, I can, whatever. It's like acting, I guess. You yeah, like, because you are doing that too. You are yeah. you're playing in... Uh... Totally. So it is a bit of that. And then the camera stops and I'm like, just like deep breaths and like, you're going to get through this. It's funny. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a survival mechanism almost. Yeah. That's, I was, I was really impressed by, <laughs> by the way, how you were dealing the whole day. Um, how you're dealing with the confidentiality, even during, besides the whole story that we said, but I really believe that doing what you're doing, you all the time have to deal with no refuses from after a casting and even on the set, you really have to give everything. How you deal with that? Right. Mm. Is it again uh, the same part as being like an actress? You just take that role? Right. But on the other side is the emotional side, you know, like... Totally. I think partially, yeah. I think with experience, you like learn to take things less personally, which I think has helped me even in my social life too with castings because you hear no all the time. And it's learning to separate yourself from your industry, which is why it's always been important to me to do other things besides just model because it's so hard. You can say like, oh, I'm not going to get attached, but like when your life's work and what you are defined by and how you make money is fully your face and the shape of your body how do you not how do you not connect that and it's so fucked and I had like a full like breakdown beginning of COVID like what am I doing with my life I don't stand for these things and I'm doing it and I'm feeling it um but that's why I think I've always been interested in pursuing other things while modeling so that I have that balance and I'm able to realize, oh, my worth is not just this. But luckily, I'm also really lucky, I feel like in general, of booking jobs like your company and people that care about the person and like want to have these conversations because we chatted about this even before your podcast. And it is rare to find people who really like see, oh, she's cold. I'm going to give her my like, that's so I'm not used to that. Like, I'm so not used to that sort of empathy, um, I feel like, in this business. But there there are a lot of, of course, there's a lot of, I'm not shit talking the whole industry. I'm sure they are. And I'm sure you are even attract to them, this 
nice people, you know, like I'm sure totally they would, you give uh, off that energy. Totally. Yes. The two way okay. streets for sure. So I'm very curious about your entrepreneurship lifestyle. And I'm so curious. I have so many questions because it's so funny because now we are on the other side of it. I know. And now I need your advice for everything. Totally. <laughs> I, I'm there. We can, we, can, we can talk about it. I would love to help you. Um, tell me how everything started. I suppose during the COVID was, was your idea even before that? So yeah, I had started very DIY embroidering underwear about three years ago. Um, my mom taught me how to embroider on a matzo cover. Actually, this time of year it was Passover three years ago. Um, and I started embroidering on like Hanes underwear and stuff and just selling it on Instagram. And then, yeah, around February, March of last year, I decided to manufacture my own underwear and really make it a real project. And then, um, yeah, COVID happened, which was kind of great because it gave me all this time to actually do it. Um, and I was working with, um, a consultant for a bit and she kind of introduced me to a bunch of factories and places and I was getting my bearings and then I launched in December officially with just one I just make one style of underwear and then a couple different embroideries and then I came out with sweatpants and an art newspaper that I printed and new style coming in so summer. cool and you yeah. want to go to a different categories as well or you want to yeah I kind of I mean I love intimates and that that just seemed so um, personal for embroidery because I don't think it's a piece of clothing that isn't normally embroidered and it's something that's either for you or for who you're with. It's just, there's something unique and intimate about that. But um, I don't see it just being intimates. I kind of see it as this stream of consciousness project. And like with the newspaper, I found just the the moment of like this craving for connection and stories and friends was so necessary so i asked it was about eight or ten friends of mine like painters artists poets i have a chef who, who made me a recipe no um, yeah he's great we printed this cute little card that comes in the newspaper i should send you some i would love to ah, get I would your love, yeah address. thank you i would love to yeah. i would love to so like so that inside, so inside you have a recipe Mm -hmm. There's a little recipe oh, card with like drawings and I wonder if I have one here. Um, yeah, and that just felt super import important for the now. And I just, I feel like defining the whole brand with like one sentence just doesn't make sense because I think it's going to evolve and change with the moment, you know? Totally. Right. Which is not always what someone wants to hear. Not you, but like if you're being interviewed about your brand or your business, it's not... There's not a quick snapshot of a sentence you can pull, but I also don't think that's realistic to say, this is what it's going to be for the next, you don't know. Similar no. to trauma and accident, like you have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah, and you have to listen your heart and the things yeah. will come. But you know, sounds very easy and cool, but actually you had to learn so much. Like you mentioned about production. And no, yeah. I was like, oh, it's I'm making like a simple pair of white underwear. It's going to be so easy. <laughs> yeah. It's like the hardest is so hard. Yes. So hard. And the other thing that I think I'm sure you, I feel like any artist kind of struggles with this thought of like, I'm a poser. Like I, I'm pretending to know what I'm doing and I have no <laughs> idea. I'm not like a real designer. I'm not a real you know, and, it, and those those thoughts that I think everybody has at some point with their business or their career, 
And it's remembering like everyone has those thoughts. And actually, if you have those thoughts, that probably means you're more of an artist. Um, but it's really hard. Like it's very, it's, it's very hard, hard to do on too. I think if you like it, like if you, you know, if you see that side, if you are like, you like it, what you're doing, even in difficult moments, you get the energy back. How you're choosing the models? I saw that you really have a, a beautiful message about body positivity. So we speak about Poppy Andes. Yes, I Poppy Andes. Sure. I didn't. I will make it. sure. Yeah, I will make sure that I will tag that everyone can see. Um, how how you choose your model? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, but because I launched and a lot of this has been during COVID, my ability to hire the models that I would love to hire have been minimized. So a lot of them are really close friends that I feel comfortable or who are in my pod that I feel comfortable being around with COVID. It's definitely my goal to be more diverse, but unfortunately I think COVID- But I think I think you, you can see the diversity uh, on your-, on your uh, Yeah, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's super important and it's not like, oh, I have to check this box off. It's just unfortunate that I, I don't have all the resources that I probably would have if COVID was not a problem, but it's feeling with the vaccine and the current times that it's feeling more positive and hopefully I can extend um, my reach for models. I'm sure you will. I'm yeah. sure you will. And you did it during the COVID. So congratulations, you already, yeah. you really. It was a weird time to release something. Same for you. It's a very strange time to <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. recreate yourself alone, you know? Yeah, it's not easy. What, which, which is the, the nicest part of uh, what you're doing now? What is your favorite part? Well, it's funny because I, so I was hand embroidering all of them before and now with like larger production orders, I work with an embroiderer downtown, but over the last couple of weeks, I've been having way worse anxiety than usual. I always suffer from anxiety, but it, it was really bad the past couple of weeks. So I started embroidering again by hand because I just hadn't picked up a needle and thread in so long. And that is where I find the real joy, like sitting quiet if I put a music on or a show and for like hours, I'm just working on something and I can physically see and focusing on the details. That is the most therapeutic thing for me. That's what, what is the meditation? You're already, oh, you're already meditating. Totally. That's your meditation. That is, that, that's true. For me, that is the, my meditation. Totally. Yeah. You found totally. it. Yeah. And, and that's not, yeah. And that may be more for me than for the business, but that's the, the part that reminds me, oh, I'm doing the right thing right now. And I think you have to start with the soul and then you will go step by step to the more commercialize it, but you need to totally. get and start with the and soul. And it's hard to remember that because you get ahead of yourself. I'm like trying to compare myself with other brands or like, am I doing like Instagram enough and like reaching out to, you know, you get ahead of yourself and all of that's important, you know, and very new to me too, but you're right. You forget why you're doing it if you don't come back in. So how, how do you come back? How do you do that? What is your, I don't know, if you have this, especially now with the Instagram and comparing all the time and seeing, oh, that's, for me, it's terrible. I have to say, I found oh, it's horrible. solution to not it. be there anymore. I hate it, but I also do it. So it's really, really hard. It's, I, it's part like, of the business. It's, you cannot, right, that's the other thing. You do, you do kind of have to do it. But I will give you some tips after that. Yeah. I have some cool tips. I would love that. I mean, 
for me, when I, the, the healthiest things to do when I'm feeling most anxious, I don't want to do, which is journaling and going for a walk and getting out of your head. And I was talking to my therapist about like, I'm like, I don't even know if I need this because I know what you're going to tell me to do when I'm feeling bad about myself and anxious. But in that moment, that's the last thing I want to do is go for a fucking walk. You know, I want to just stuff my face or whatever. Um, but in nature, you get a lot of energy. Definitely. And and I took a little trip just because I hadn't been out of Los Angeles almost this whole year to Big Sur a couple weeks ago. And that's my like, oh, I love it. It's beautiful, fully yeah. in nature. And it's such a special energy there. It, specifically in Big Sur. I think of everywhere I've ever been in my life, it's like top five favorite places. I love it up there. What is your top one? Now you challenge mm. me. <laughs> Okay, well, it's between two. I have a family house in Maui that I grew up going to oh, since I was a baby. So it's like my second home. And just the slow speed of life there. And like, uh, my skin is better and it's warm and there's no pressure and I don't look at my phone. That was probably my favorite place just because of the familial part of it. And then Japan is maybe my second favorite place. Why Japan? Because mm. it's totally different. Like Maui, it's so relaxed and calm, and Japan, it's exactly I think that's the other why, side. Because I've like never been to to a place that I can compare it to, and I've been to other places in Southeast Asia, not lots of places, but like Vietnam and Cambodia, and there's just and Korea too. Like there's, I can't even fully explain it, but it's such a different culture than I've ever experienced before, and like the attention to detail and like the respect and the, I don't know, this is something totally foreign to me, which I like. Yeah, I, I mean, I never been to Japan, but uh, I have uh, friends from there and uh, it's amazing. I was not seeing uh, California, LA and uh, San Francisco for the last two years almost now. And I need from you, if you have some new cool things in wellness, what's happening there? Tell us a little bit more. Is it something new in the wellness or health? It's funny. This is not going to be the answer you want, but I was listening to this podcast on the way up to Big Sur called um, Conspirituality. Mm -hmm. I don't know. If you've heard no, 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 no. But it's really fascinating. Um, and it's sometimes it sort of discusses the semi downsides of this like wellness revolution which there are so many positives and it's wonderful and there's juices and healthy eating and so much more accessibility to organic products and but sort of when that becomes a little kooky and you use it as an excuse for everything and you get kind of caught up in the powers of that and it almost becomes um performative i think sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah so, i agree yes it's really interesting i've just been thinking a lot a lot about that and how I would be if I wasn't so, um, if I was from somewhere where this wasn't, where wellness wasn't everywhere. But even like my partner and I got some ramen from Erewhon the other day and it was called like wellness warming, just every word says mindfulness <laughs> on the ramen, just like it's everywhere. Um, <laughs> No, it doesn't answer your question. <laughs> no, because it's, it's actually so true. Like now moving to Europe, I can really go on the other side and really understand it. 
because in LA it's screaming everywhere like you said you know, everywhere and like and it's funny too there's a comedic side to it but and I think it's good for the most part but it's become such a business and when things become a business and there's like marketing with it it I don't think always comes from a good place you know not always some of not, them I no, think not always, are totally. but yeah of course so where where can we find uh, where can you can we go and buy your um, your product the poppy yes so you can buy directly on my website and then I just started selling at my favorite clothing store in Silver Lake called Mohawk. We Ooh. shot really close to, to rats. So yeah, so there's some there. Um, and then there's a little boutique in Austin. A friend of mine has, a friend of a friend has a boutique there, but mostly just on my website. That's the main. So we can order it online. Yes. And it's even deliver globally? Or? Yes, um, not globally yet. I'm hoping by like summer or fall, I get my bearings together so I can do international shipping. Um, but it's just domestic right now. Okay. I really can't wait to hear more and to see more about it. We are very close to the end and it's crazy. I, I can't even realize how fast was going the time. I my know. last, Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> very nice. Uh, my last question. Um, what will be one advice that you will give to someone that was going in a similar um, trauma experience like you? What will be, and if, if he's trying to deal now with that, what you will advise them to do? I think the main piece of advice I would give is to remember, to remember that when you're thinking about yourself and defining yourself, you are not that scar, or if it's not a scar, trauma. That's not who you are, but it is a big part of you. It, it's not separate from you because that was my biggest issue that for years I kept it so like this arm was not me and in those years I wasn't I wasn't trusting I wasn't honest with myself I wasn't happy because I didn't like you said when you last week kind of just let yourself go there and like open up that box when I finally did which took two years and I was like this is me like this deformity if you want to call it which is maybe negative this imperfection is me and I found so much power like you said too in identifying with the parts of myself that I neglected so I guess being vulnerable enough to like let yourself go there and realize like you are gonna cry but crying it stops at a certain point you're not gonna cry for the rest of your life you will get to a point where you take that deep breath and get to the other side but being vulnerable enough to to go there would be my advice thank you so much Emily Thank you. Gosh, this was the most helpful therapeutic hour, honestly. Let's do it again if this is helping. I'd love to. I haven't done this in so long and it's really, really helpful. Wow, what a conversation. Thank you so much, dear Emily, for your time and for all your honesty. I really have to say, even after the interview, I really took some time and um, re-listening. It's such a deep healing um, discussion that I had with you and um, thank you for that I really wish you all the best with all your projects I can't wait to hear more about your direction as an entrepreneur and see you very soon related to you my dear friend as Emily said it's so important to share your story this can be first healing to you but as well healing to so many people around you 
I'm here to listen to you. So please DM me, write me an email and let's make this world a little bit more beautiful together. For more inspiring interviews, head it over on Spotify, Google Podcast, iTunes or wherever you are listening now. I have more surprises coming soon. If you like today's show, please share it with your friends, family or community. I'm Krina and you've been listening to the podcast How Can I Heal with Krina Okmos.